This is Unstructured. Hey, everybody. This is David Goldberg. David Goldberg is the CEO. That's not the chief executive officer. It's the chief edge officer of Edge Studios. He's a voiceover actor, coach, performer, and he has been running the studio for 30 plus years. Is that correct? Holy crap, am I that old? <laughs> um, not quite correct. I'm not a voice actor, believe it oh, or not. Okay. I'm a director. Okay. Can you explain the um, how that breaks down? Sure. Um, a lot of people are sort of surprised by that. So you imagine um, you imagine a tennis coach might be a you know a qualified tennis coach, but is not necessarily a tennis player. That's me in the world of voiceover and podcasting, uh, public speaking, and so on. Um, for some reason, my ears work well. I'm able to direct talent to speak in whatever way that they need to speak in. But uh, I don't know why, but I'm just not blessed with the voice that one would need to do voiceover. Maybe it's because I'm from Queens. Maybe because I was born with hearing impairments. Whatever the case, um, I'm not a voice actor at all. Okay, that makes sense. Um, where would you fall then with a um, an engineer? Are you an is a director different than an engineer? Yeah, very much so. Engineer, uh, I'm also a, an engineer. So um, an engineer is the person responsible for capturing uh, audio on tape, even though tape doesn't exist anymore. We still use that word, right? An engineer captures the audio, uh, edits the audio, and makes it sound as good as they possibly can. A director is someone who tells an engineer or a voice actor or anyone, they direct that person how to... Uh, produce the sound quality that they want. So if I'm directing a, a voice acting session, I might tell the voice actor, slow down on this word, speed up on that word, add more smile to a certain word. Um, an engineer would then uh, turn on the microphone, hit record, and make sure that the sound that's being captured uh, is is uh, just sounds great. Okay. Um, now, in a smaller environment, do some of these roles get combined into one person? Is that common? Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of voice actors engineer themselves and they do their own editing and they direct themselves, whether it's an audition or a, a, a paid job. Uh, you know, it's a very often um, a voice actor or a podcaster wears multiple hats. So look at you. You are running your own podcast. So you're directing yourself, right? You're telling yourself, read more quickly, read more slowly, you know, add more enthusiasm and so on. You are recording this. You're the engineer. You know, you uh, you're wearing multiple hats. And that's terrific. That's true. Um, I'm impressed. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. What brought you into the business to begin with? What was your background a little bit? Music. Lots and lots of music. Um, I was always very musical. And uh, when I was in my uh, high school, I started touring with a couple of shows and uh, piano. Generally, I played drums also, but toured and um, through college got into, of course, uh, let me, uh, in between, I was in bands also. But in college, I uh, bought a, an old four-track recorder, which um, sort of uh, just really excited me. And next thing I know, instead of playing in bands, I was recording bands. And next thing I know, I graduated college and opened up a studio called Edge Studio and started bringing in more and more bands and bigger and bigger bands. And uh, I don't know by 2001, which I'll explain why that particular year in a moment, by 2001, I had worked with all kinds of major, major acts, um, 
loved uh, producing, uh, directing, engineering. I was wearing multiple hats and doing very well, but the drugs in the music business were absurd. And I would be the only one not stoned out of my mind in recording sessions. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, I, I recall driving home from a studio session once and thinking I may have been stoned from secondhand smoke. <laughs> and uh, so I made my studio a smoke-free studio. Uh, first, I actually became a drug-free studio and I lost half of my clients. And then I became a smoke-free studio and lost the other half of my clients. Mm. And I was left with a couple of hippie bands and uh, earth country bands and uh, did a lot of gospel, uh, not, yeah, gospel music for uh, two or three years, but uh, just fell into voiceover. Um, you know, I had a number of studios at that point and uh, gospel was all uh, on-site recording, which was great. I loved it. But I'd go out to massive churches and record these gigantic choirs, but the studio was sat empty. And hmm. uh, so I thought about, you know, what, what else can I possibly do with soundproofed rooms and microphones and recording equipment and voiceover was, uh, you know, the next best thing and didn't know a thing about voiceover, but fell into it. And uh, that was in 2001. And uh, ever since Edge Studio has grown into kind of multiple locations, by the way, we are having a massive thunderstorm outside. <laughs> I hear that. So if we get disconnected, you'll know why. Okay. Um, but voiceover has been great. Um, I miss music a whole lot. I loved it. But almost everything we record at Edge Studio has music in the background. Hmm. Most documentaries, most film tracks, um, most commercials and corporate videos, they generally tend to have some music in the background. So even though the voice is paramount in my new industry, so to speak, music is still in there. That, that reminds me of something. When I first met you, and that really impressed me, we were talking about it, and I I was saying, hey, how I would like to get more energy in my voice. I wondered if I was too laid back or what my tone was. And you had stated that I should play light music in the background that had pep to it, I guess. That would be the way you sure. put it. And that that can kind of trick the flow or, or make something seem different. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, music is in the background of, of recordings to tell you how to feel. Well, to tell the listener how to feel. In other words, by direct, if you are a director, you can tell the engineer to put in a certain type of music, a certain genre of music, a certain uh, music that conveys a certain emotion, maybe is the best way to say it. So you are actually getting the listener to experience what you want them to experience. Um, I can think of an example. If you imagine... You turn on TV and you see a movie and it, you just see a person standing in a, a, a field, mm -hmm. but there's haunted music in the background. You immediately know that something bad is about to happen. But at the same time, if you turn on that same TV show, but rather than haunted music in the background, it's some peaceful, happy, cheerful music. You think, oh, it's it's a love story. It's it's, a you know, whatever. And music tells you how to feel. And it's very common in as I mentioned a moment ago in commercials and corporate videos and documentaries for there to be a soundtrack. The soundtrack is there to help add the intended emotion. And um, if you think about it, so 30, 40, 50 years ago when TV commercials were uh, really becoming popular, there wasn't music in the background. Very often there was, instead of music, there was an announcer who had a very big dynamic voice, the, you know, the classic <laughs> announcer delivery. And, and that gave a lot of energy. And now most voiceover recordings are recorded by a voice actor who uses a very natural delivery, a very uh, plain, um, 
non-hype non energy, I'm sorry, non-hype uh, delivery. So, <clears throat> excuse me, so um, there's a loss of energy, but adding the music in the background, again, adds that energy back in. So again, 50 years ago, it was the announcer's voice that carried all of the energy or that conveyed all of the energy. Today, the delivery is much more subdued and the music is in the background. So the energy is still conveyed to the listener, but without the announcer having to do so much work. It's interesting you brought that up about the announcer voices. And yeah, I've, I've heard that referred to as puking. Yeah. It's called the puke. <laughs> that's, that's a term used by uh, DJs or in the broadcast industry, they call it the puke. But um, I've, I've read one time and I feel like there might be some truth to it. Distinctive voices are invaluable. And especially when it comes to celebrity that every really legendary celebrity, be it John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, Christopher Walken, uh, all have a distinct voice that can almost be parodied or imitated. Do you find that to be a value in the industry? Huh, it depends on the voice. It really does. You know, if look, if a voice is marketable and the voice actor or the podcaster can use their voice well, then there's work for them. I would say that, let me let me step back a bit. There are 27 different genres in the voiceover industry. Um, in wow, other words, there are 20, I'm sorry? That many? Yeah, documentary, corporate video, audiobook, animation, video games, apps, medical, pharmaceutical work, uh, explainer videos, training videos, uh, there's audio guides. There's lots of different genres in the voiceover industry. Podcasts is a type of voiceover, essentially, um, even though it's a little bit different. But anyway, so there are all of these different genres of voiceover. And through all of it, most most people, most of the, uh, the population only thinks about commercial, right? If you ask someone about voiceover, if you say to a, a stranger on the street, where is it that you hear voice? They'll generally say commercials. Well, here's why. Mm -hmm. And I will eventually get back to answer the question. Sure. So in almost every genre of voiceover, the voice actor uses an incredibly regular conversational voice. Their voice is not distinctive. Their voice doesn't stand out. For example, if you watch a documentary on TV, at the end of the documentary, say to whoever you're watching TV with, say, hey, I thought that voice actor was pretty good. And they'll probably say, you know, it's uh, I, I heard everything they said, but I never really took note of their voice. Most mm -hmm. people don't notice the voice because the voice is not distinctive. Occasionally, and I really mean like rarely in the commercial genre of voiceover, occasionally there is a distinctive voice or a celebrity or someone who does the hard sell voice, the announcers, the, the puke, as you, you know, as you call it, um, that is estimated to be perhaps three or 4% of the time. So I would tell you to watch TV later this evening, watch, uh, let me think about this. 100 commercials would be two hours of TV. If my math is correct, there's roughly 20, 22 to 26 commercials per half hour. Figure 25 commercials per half hour, Yeah, in general, much less on the spot. So two hours of TV, you'll hear 100 commercials. I bet less than 5% of them and probably closer to 4 or even 3% of those will be 
distinctive voices, celebrity voices. Now, of course, if you watch National Network prime time, you're more likely to hear more celebrity voices. But if you watch mm-hmm. channel 712 on your cable box during the middle of the afternoon, then you probably will never hear a celebrity voice. On average, distinctive voices are very rarely used. So if someone is trying to become a voice actor and they have a very distinctive voice, um, can it help them become a voice actor? Probably not, unless their voice is really different or unique or marketable. And most of the time, mm. that's going to take place in the animation world or the in video games or character work or talking toys. A distinctive voice can be great if you are a good actor or if there's really a, a market for you, if your voice is going to be appreciated by listeners out there. Otherwise, a distinctive voice is probably not what you want to become a voice actor. A lot of women try to get into voiceover because they have very sexy voices. Um, we heard that style used many, many years ago, but today you very, very seldomly hear the very sexy voice. Men with very, very deep baritone voices, this is not used that much. But interestingly, so if you watch 100 commercials tonight, you will, you will totally recognize, you'll take note of the voices which are distinctive, the women who have sexy voices, the men who have the, the voice of God, the celebrities, you'll take note of those. So you'll notice those five commercials. You will never even notice the other 95 commercials. We, as a, as the population, as a population, mm. we tend to remember the the few that stand out. We don't notice the, the the usual voices. You know, you can say the same thing if you walk down a street in New York City, on from 36th Street to, to 37th Street, you'll pass 100 people talking. You won't recognize sure. or notice any of their voices except for one or two people who have really weird voices or a, a language you haven't heard before, something distinctive about them. You just will tune out all of the other voices, and that's what happens when people listen to voiceover. Okay, that's interesting. So it could be good or it could be bad depending on how you want to apply it. Exactly, yes. Because they may want those five commercials to be memorable. They might, Yes. Is your voice distinctive enough that it can become the voice of a product? Because when your voice is very distinctive, you're probably not going to get that much work. Like I said, maybe you become the part of a a character on a cartoon show or an animated production if you can act. But otherwise, what's left? I mean, hopefully you can, uh, your voice is just distinctive enough, recognizable enough, and you can convey whatever message needs to be conveyed enough that you can become the voice of a product. Okay. I I listen to a lot of audio books and I found that I like the narrators who imply emotions versus carry out emotions. I mean, listening to an audiobook is not about, let me say this differently. Generally, people buy an audiobook just to be entertained. And the narrator's job is to tell you how to feel. They should tell you what's happening. But it's uh, it's up to them to tell you what you should be thinking about. And then you kind of um, conjure up a mental image of what's going on in your mind. Just like on a documentary. If you watch the History Channel or the a Wildlife Channel or the Science Channel, the History Channel, if you watch documentaries, the voice actor who's narrating the show is not acting out the emotions. They're telling you what you're looking at on the TV screen. They're telling you what to look at, what to notice, but they're not acting, so to speak. Even even on the the, the like a, an Animal Planet channel, even if there's a gruesome scene where one animal's is eating another animal. It's a gruesome scene with the blood spurting out. I mean, we all feel terrible when we see these gruesome images. But the the sure. documentary narrator is not saying, oh my God, the animal is bleeding and the other one is going for lunch. And it's not, there's not hype energy. They're very subdued. They're telling us what to look at. 
With your musical background, I don't know if you've ever heard of a musical artist named Pogo, but he creates actual songs by elements in movies and things like that. He pulls the different sounds and he had commented that there's a musicality in voices that even when we are talking, we are hitting the different notes and different pitches and he will pull those, put them together and, and create lyrics out of spoken speech. It's really quite remarkable. But what I'm wondering is, do you use that same thought of musicality and tempo and things like that in your training? Uh, no, uh, not precisely. I think that one of the biggest hindrances people have when trying to become voice actors is that they overthink. They overthink their delivery. So in the voiceover world, when someone is hiring a voice actor, the casting team generally wants to hire someone who has the voice they need. Who I'm sorry, they, they generally want to hire a voice actor who naturally has the voice that they need. Because hmm. there's someone out there with every voice. So if I need a certain type of voice, I can ask someone who naturally has that voice and they can read the script for me and it will sound natural. Or I could ask someone who doesn't have that natural voice and I could try to have them affect their voice. And with that affectation on their voice, they can maybe convey the voice that I'm looking for, but then it will probably sound stilted or contrived. Um, same thing goes with languages, right? You know, if I need uh, a French, uh, let me turn this around. If a client tells us that they need a French voice mm. we or a French accent, I could say, sure, or, you know, I could hire any voice actor and say, you know, put on a French accent, but why not just hire someone who naturally has a French accent? I'm more... I'm totally guaranteed that the accent will be authentic. And even at Edge, we can record in 145 languages. So if a client asks for a French accent, our next question is, great, well, do you want a, a Parisian accent, a Malaysian French accent, a, you know, Canada, a Canadian French accent? And if they say Canada, we say, great, well, do you want a Quebec or a Montreal? Or, you know, wow. we give them exactly what it is that they want. Um, so... In this industry, it's usually best to just be yourself, to trust your natural voice. So while what this, I think he said the person's name is Koga is doing, sounds... Pogo. <laughs> oh, okay. I have to check that out. It sounds amazing, and I'm, and after this, I'll, I'll take a listen. But I think having a voice actor go into that, that thought about how to think about every note of their voice, they would never sound natural, and they just wouldn't get voiceover work. Wow, you mentioned all these dialects and everything. How many voice actors do you work with? Are you an agency as well? No, we're not an agency. No, we are a production, a casting and production house. Oh, okay, let me back up. So Edge Studio has two different divisions, two different departments. One is the casting production house. And to answer your question, in that department, we work with literally thousands and thousands of voice actors. Um, we produce everything from animated productions to cartoons and talking toys, lots of those annoying telephone recording system, uh, recorded systems, uh, corporate videos, commercials, audiobooks. I mean, we produce virtually every type of voiceover you can imagine. Lots of narrated apps these days. Uh, we record lots of podcasts, the intros, the segues, the outros, uh, and so on. Um, the other department we have at Edge is a training department. We help people become voice actors, and, and also we help established voice actors up their their game we might help someone who's doing voiceover part-time go full-time 
we have 33 coaches, 34 coaches, I think, right now. Uh, we offer I don't know, 15 or 20 classes every week. Um, we have all sorts of resources for you know, people who are new to the industry and uh, for working voice actors. So two very different departments. What are the prospects for voice talent or voice actors now? And which industries are, shall we say, the uh, best ones for them to get in? I think that there is amazing uh, opportunities for vo for voice actors. Uh, the industry is growing exponentially. Um, you know, the one fear lots of people talk about is automated voices, you know, uh, computerized voices, um, you know, programs that take uh, voice, uh, rather text, and create voice out of it. Mm -hmm. And certainly there is a place for that in the industry. Uh, I, was, I had to call the uh, government, one of the departments of the government recently for uh, something for work, and their telephony system was clearly a, um, a, you know, a text to voice system. Right. That happens occasionally, but the voice, the voiceover industry is still growing massively. Um, earlier today, I had a meeting with our production director and our numbers are just so much higher than last year. And every year they're higher. We're, there's just so much volume of work. It's amazing. So if you are looking to get into voiceover, it's a great industry if you have the potential to do it. If you have a marketable voice and you have the ability to direct yourself and engineer at home, I mean, there are lots of other things that come along with it. In fact, having the right voice is probably 10% of what you need because there is work mm. for 90% of people out there for their voices. There's, there's work. But again, can you use your voice? Can you take direction from a client? Can you analyze a script and know which words to add emphasis to can you engineer it can you do it on time can you be professional to your clients like any business there are lots of things you need to do to become marketable um to the second part of your question where might a voice actor see the most work these days i think the question is not that i don't think that a voice actor should say um narrated apps are becoming more popular so i will i will narrate narrated apps or VR, virtual reality, is becoming more popular, so I will narrate virtual reality. I think rather you'll be more marketable if you go where your voice is most, to the genre that your, your voice is most suited for. Um, ultimately, I think a voice actor needs to look at a, a number of criteria to decide where they belong in the industry. So if a voice actor has um, a, a fondness for documentaries, well, maybe they should narrate uh, documentaries. Uh, you know, the other way to look at that is if a voice actor hates documentaries, why narrate them? Like you, you'll hate it. You'll hate your job. Um, you need to look at your lifestyle. If uh, you narrate promos and trailers and especially promos, then you are on a very tight uh, scheduled uh, timeline with your, your clients because every day by 9 a.m. you need to return 17 scripts or 25 scripts. You're on a, you have to do this on time every single day. You need to be waiting at your computer at 8 a.m. They sent the scripts. By 9 a.m. you have to record them. By 10 a.m. you have to edit them. By 11 a.m. you have to send them off. Some voice actors don't want that kind of lifestyle. They want the flexibility and well, maybe promos aren't right for you. Likewise, with terms of lifestyle, if you don't have long periods of time to sit at home and work and record, then don't narrate audiobooks. You know, the average audiobook is going to take you 60 hours right, to, to complete. If you, th I, if my math is correct, that is, you figure the average unabridged book is 10 or 11 or uh, 10 or 11 hours long, and it takes mm -hmm. typically five or six hours to complete an hour of audio. So when a when a the client sends you an audiobook to narrate, yeah, you're looking at 50, 60 hours. And if they say they need that back in two weeks, 
If you can't dedicate 50 or 60 hours in the next two weeks, then don't market audiobooks. Some people hate selling, so don't go after commercial work. And in other words, go after what makes sense for you, for your lifestyle, for the genres that you are you have an interest, personal interest in. Also, you can go after subject matter that is interesting to you. Lots of voice actors talk about subject matter that interests them. So if you are a tennis player, I'm thinking about tennis because the US Open is you know in its prime right now. Um, I'm not sure if you're following it, but uh, so if you are a tennis player and you have a marketable voice and you want to do voiceover, then combine the worlds of tennis and voice acting. So you would, uh. you would record training videos for the companies that make tennis rackets and tennis balls because all of those companies have training videos and compliance videos and record um, videos for uh, tennis clubs and commercials for tennis games and tennis courts and the US Open and record podcasts on tennis or the intros and outros for them, record documentaries on tennis. There are nonfiction books and training videos on, on tennis playing. There's a world of everything out there. There really is. And so I guess to, to recap this all, if you are looking to get into the voiceover world, consider the genres of voiceover, which are interesting to you. Consider the subject matter, which might be interesting to talk about. Uh, consider your personal lifestyle. Consider your voice type. So, sort of find the intersection of all of those. And then you figure out where you want to work in the industry. Again, I would not just say, oh, commercials are hot. I'll become a commercial voice actor. That's not right. the, the way to be successful. Um, interesting story. I have a friend of mine who lives on Long Island who loves cars. And he has mm -hmm. a great voice. So I helped him train and recorded a demo for him. And now since then, he has recorded... Um, well, he, we call his demo an, auto, an automobile voiceover demo. He has recorded training videos for automobile assembly plants, kiosks for car dealerships, um, uh, podcasts, documentaries, audiobooks on the automobile, hmm. uh, movies on automobiles, commercials for cars. This is what he's done. Audio guides for automobile museums. And what's cool is if he's looking through a, a magazine, on like a car and driver magazine, and he sees that a a new museum is opening up, an, auto, an automobile museum is opening up in Switzerland or something. He'll send them his demo. He'll say, hey, guys, I've read about your new museum. Looks amazing. If you need to have an audio guide recorded in English, I'm your guy. I'm a voice actor. I'm a car buff. Here's my automobile demo. And he's hired. So That's really smart because in the industry, there's specific ways that um, things are said or phraseology and his having the expertise probably sure. helps him because he, he calls the um, car part the correct part or he refers to it in the right pattern. When you talk about something that interests you, that interest is conveyed to the listener's ears. Uh, he's getting paid to talk about what he likes to talk about, you know, which is great. Most people, most people in his shoes would go to a car museum and pay to take the audio guide. Rather, he's getting a first-hand look at the audio guide and getting paid for reading it. I mean, it's great for him. But it may not be great for someone else who doesn't like cars. Sure. You know, so there are different ways to look at the industry. And again, you find the intersection between all of the things that I've mentioned, and that's where you should enter the industry. You'll be, I think you'll increase your chance of success by, you know, by many times, many, many times. How would you recommend someone who wanted to get into the voiceover world? Where would they start? Would they An evaluation. Start without question have an evaluation some type of assessment have it at our we we offer assessments 
have it with someone else. I mean, I think our assessments are very good because we're totally honest with people. Um, and we tell people every day that this is not for you, but have an assessment. I feel terrible when I hear from people who say, um, I have a good voice, so I, I spent uh, you know 100 bucks on a microphone, and I went somewhere and had someone make a demo for me, and it cost me $1,000, and now I can't win a single audition. Of course, mm. you may not be marketable. You know, maybe you're uh, just not good at reading scripts or interpreting scripts, or maybe you weren't trained correctly. Uh, maybe your voice is not marketable. Maybe you're entering into the commercial genre when you should not be. Uh, your voice is not right for commercials. So many things could go wrong. And uh, you know, work with someone who understands the industry. Technically, or pre I should say preferably, work with someone who understands the industry from not only the coaching side, but also from the production side, hmm. which okay. is probably why Edge Studio has been so successful over the years, because we, we, we see this industry from every conceivable genre, from every perspective. You know, we're dealing with the top voice actors in the country and brand new beginners and, you know, thousands of them every day. And um, so we just hear and see and know what's going on and. I don't know. There's a, there's a, like anything. There's a lot to it, but if it's if it's a good thing for you, man, it's it's a great industry. Okay, that makes sense. But you have um, exposure into a whole bunch of different areas. You started to rattle off everything, and does that help you when you're evaluating people who come in, where you could say, "Hmm, this guy sounds like he could do instructions," or I, I forgot some of your different ones, but I yep. imagine some voices lend themselves better to other things or you can almost Absolutely. hear it. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's lots of things we look, you know, we listen for. Um, if someone has a very straight voice, uh, not much emotion, um, not much acting ability, uh, but they're very eloquent. Uh, maybe they should be recording telephony. You know, thank you for calling our company you know, for sales. Press one for customer service. Press two, because you need a voice that has consistency when they, re when the, the various prompts are recorded. And, uh, you know, I, I know there's just so much that goes into it. So we're able to listen to a voice and let that person know if or if they are marketable or not, um, at, at least to the best of our ability. You know, we can't we're not God. We can't judge, you know, uh, sure. you know, uh, but to the best of our ability, we listen to a voice and we say, yeah, we think you're marketable or no. Sorry. You know, we don't think that this is for you. And. And if you are marketable, then we can help that person set up a game plan. You know, here are, you know, the five or six steps that we would recommend for you. That would make sense for you. Here's a coach that would make sense for you to train with. Uh, the reason we have 34 coaches is because they each specialize in different genres of the industry. So if uh, someone new to the industry wants to become an audiobook narrator, then you're going to work with someone, a coach who specializes in audiobooks. I mean, that's their world. They live and breathe audiobooks. That's all they know. Because that audiobook specialist can help that person uh, train their voice, but also build their business. That audiobook specialist knows what the current rates are. So when the, the new audiobook narrator hits the market, they know how much to charge. I mean, you don't want to underbid yourself and, and chip yourself. You don't want to overcharge and price yourself out of the market. So you work with someone who really can help you look at your whole business and train your voice and your professionalism and tell you the, the key words, the slang of that particular genre and tell you which casting agents are hiring voices that sound like yours right now, you know, so when you finish that demo, you can go out there and get work. Um, it's important to work with someone who really gets what you're doing and has been there and done that and, and is, and is happy to share their information with you. And that's what we have. That's cool. Now I imagine there is a, a bit of a ramp 
for a new talent to become successful because they have to do the reps, correct? Yeah. Um, I feel terrible when we, when voice actors fall for these scams where uh, they're, they're told, take this $100 class, pay $500 for a demo, and you'll be making a million dollars in a year. You know, uh, that can happen, but it's probably a 0.00001% chance. You know, in, in, in the likelihood, you're, you know, you'll ramp up your business over a couple of years. I mean, like any new business. Um, we at Edge Studio, we try to hire the voice actors who we train. Uh, and it's wonderful that when we do that, I mean, my personal goal is that every student who comes in and goes through our, our training and demo curriculum, we can then hire, but it doesn't happen with every student. There are some, there are some students who we've hired so many times we put their kids through college. I mean, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And some we've never hired. It's just, it depends on our clients, which voices our clients uh, select, you know, when they come to record uh, productions, but Back to the point, yeah, there's a ramp up. You know, your first day out of the gate, you're not going to have a client. You build up your clientele. You start with small jobs and build your way up. Okay. And what would you um, recommend for somebody to, shall we say, get reps? Uh, are things like podcasting a good avenue? Or I, I've heard if you want to be in audiobooks to go to ACX and quietly use a pseudonym and record books for less well-known authors or things like that and be prepared to starve for a while while you practice your art. Yeah, I think a couple of answers here. One, I, again, I would not just say go to ACX um, unless you want to get into audiobook narration and only get into podcast narration if you want to narrate podcasts. Um, but I'm more interested in why someone would suggest to use a pseudonym in ACX. ACX is a wonderful, a terrific way to get work. Um, just for anyone listening who may not know what ACX is, it's a online casting site where authors who need to uh, authors who need to hire a voice actor can be introduced to voice actors who are looking to narrate audiobooks. So uh, the only downside to ACX, I, well, personally, I don't think it's a downside, but what a lot of voice actors call a downside is that they're not paid to narrate the audiobooks. Rather, they're uh, they do something uh, called royalty share, where they are paid just a, a couple of dollars or even cents, whatever it might be, every time the audiobook sells. So right. you can go and spend 60 hours recording an audiobook. Again, that's recording and editing that audiobook. You spend 60 hours producing an audiobook at home, and you send it off to the client. And if the client does a bad job marketing that audiobook, or maybe the, the, the content just sucks and no one ever buys the audiobook, mm -hmm. then you make nothing. You've spent 60 hours doing nothing. You know, most voice actors who tell me that they work on ACX have made some money from royalty share. Maybe it's $20, maybe it's a couple hundred dollars, maybe it's even $1,000. But think about it. When you're out of the gate, when you've gone through your training, you've worked with an audiobook narrator and you've, and you've put together your demo and you're ready to get work, this is just paying your dues, you know? So if you get a book that pays you 300 bucks or 500 bucks, great it's experience for you it's it's something on your resume and the first book is the hardest book like any job no matter what career you're in the first you know day number one is the hardest yeah you know, it takes a while to get comfortable and learn what you need to learn and and you're getting paid for experience most people go and intern and don't make any money interning you're getting paid if again 100 bucks thousand dollars for 60 hours worth of work but you're making some money you're getting experience 
and maybe that that narrator comes back to you, you know, a year later when they've written another book and wants to re wants you to record another book. That's great. You get repeat clients. They tell someone else about you, and now you have two clients. It builds. Well, cool, and that's why I brought it up, and was thinking definitely of audiobook narration because that is an avenue where people can grow. Um, what are some other avenues that, let's say, a new voiceover person, where could they find, shall we say, work that maybe isn't immediately apparent, but they can you know, get the reps in, even if they're not paid as much, just to practice, just to learn? Oh, let me think about that. Um, theoretically, any startup business, well, a lot of startup businesses have very little money. Um, nonprofits often have very little money. You know, so if you look for some businesses like this, um, you know, you might find some lower paying jobs. But I also feel that as a as a voice actor, as a new voice actor, as any voice actor, you're in business for yourself and you need to know what you're worth. And one of the things that we really encourage uh, our students to focus on when they launch their voiceover businesses is to know what they are worth and never undercharge themselves. You know, you might say, I, I'm worth at least $100 per hour, or someone else is worth at least $200 per hour. I will not take work for less than that. And stand by your rates. Know what the going rate is out there and, and stand by that rate. It makes sense with ACX because that's how ACX works. ACX is you're either paid or you work on royalty share. So that's an investment. If you do royalty share, you're investing in that author. If they make money, then you make money. Uh, but otherwise... You know, you can work for nonprofits, like I said, and startups and, and accept less money, but you just don't want to be taken advantage of. At Edge, I, I believe in a lot, of, um, a lot of nonprofits, and I will donate my time. Personally, I will donate time or even Edge Studios time um, to uh, uh, um, nonprofits that I personally believe in, different funds, different organizations. But the question we always ask the, the nonprofit is if they're in any way profiting off of the, the work that we do, then we expect to be paid. So in other words, if a, a film director comes to us and says, hey, I'm putting together something for the, the, the Alzheimer's Association, the Cancer Association, the, whatever it is, and you know, it's, it's a non, they're a nonprofit organization, and are you willing to donate your time directing and engineering and finding voice actors? Our question to the film director is, well, you're the film director, you don't work for the nonprofit. If you're being paid, then we should also be paid. But if you're volunteering your time, then maybe we'll also volunteer our time. You know? Makes sense. Um, so, but it is a way to get some experience um, and to go back in time. So, as I mentioned, when I began uh, the voiceover business, when I switched from music recording to voiceover recording, I didn't know anything about voiceover. So I went, I reached out to organizations, which I believed in at the time and offered my services for free because I figured I don't know anything about voiceover. Let me offer, let me do something for free. It's free, you know, experience. Uh, it, they get free product. Um, I went to the Special Olympics and I recorded radio commercials for them because I had a cousin who is participating in the Special Olympics and it was great. You know, I got to learn a little bit. I did work for free. Um, next thing I know that their scriptwriter hired me for another job and that led to something else, which led to something else. And then I had a couple clients. The next thing I, you know, it spiraled and, and that was nice and all. So there's something to be said about working, you know, and don't, volunteering your services, but just don't let people take advantage of you. That is critical because very often, unfortunately people will. That makes total sense. I was just trying to 
set expectations that people generally aren't going to be necessarily great out the gate. That it, it does take yeah. some practice. It does. <laughs> another thing uh, voice actors do is they work with a lot of online casting sites, not ACX, but online casting sites in which you are sent auditions and you audition from your home and you send back the auditions to the client and it's all done through your username. So the, the client never really knows who you are. Well, you can have a username or a real name if you want, as you called it a hmm. pseudonym before. So uh, there are a bunch of online casting sites, um, a couple of big ones, uh, and they pump out, I mean, thousands of recordings, or I'm sorry, thousands of auditions every month. Uh, I think hmm. five 5,000 right now is the going number they have per month. So as a voice actor, you can pay typically about $300 to join the online casting site and you upload your demo. You complete a, a vocal profile of what you sound like. You know, my, I speak American English or I speak, you know, British English or Australian English. I speak French. I speak Malaysian French, Parisian French, Canadian French, you know, with a Quebecois accent, whatever it might be. My voice is deep. My voice is light. I sound this age when I read and you know, upload these characteristics in your profile. And a client goes on to the other side of the website. You, you go on to the voice acting website, but the client goes on to the, their side of the website and says, we are looking to hire a voice actor who sounds like this. And they type in their criteria. And if you are a match, then you get that audition. And once you pay your $300 for the year, uh, generally voice actors will get about 15 to 20 auditions a day, wow. which is amazing. So now you have the opportunity to audition 15 or 20 times a day. And if you use a pseudonym, no one will ever know who you are, you know? Right. Uh, so you can be totally blind there. And if you happen to win something, you win a job, well, that's great. If you're trained well and you know how to audition, if you know how to analyze a script, you can break down that script and analyze it and figure out which words to, as I said earlier, emphasize and where to slow down and what's important to do and what is the client really thinking and, and so on it's hard not to win at least one or two jobs throughout the year. And so more than likely you'll make back your three, uh, your 300 bucks. That's really, that's really cool. And you can also experiment to see what seems to work better absolutely. and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So you may audition for commercials and telephony recordings and corporate training videos and sales videos and, and see what sticks. And at some point, you know, six months later, you might say, you know, every time I'm hired, I'm hired for a corporate something a welcome to our company video, a compliance video, a presentation video, a sales video, a training video, whatever it might be. Maybe I should actually brand myself as a corporate narrator and put together a demo that's called a corporate voiceover demo. And now you start really uh, fine tuning your business model. Uh, and now uh, uh, new clients look at you and when they need a, a corporate narrator, they think, okay, let me hire this person because they, they clearly specialize in what it is that I need. So it gives you a, a big advantage. Well, super cool. Now to wrap things up, I believe you mentioned that you may have a podcasting course coming up. Yeah, we do. Um, the outline is put together. It's a probably going to be a one-time three-hour class. Now that's to be um, not quite finalized, but probably again, a one-time uh, three-hour class. It's just on vocal delivery. Um, we've looked out there in the world and we've studied this industry a lot, uh, a crazy amount and have a dynamite curriculum. And so um, I'm hoping it's out in about two months. That's the, the timeline right now we're looking at. And I think that I will personally teach that class because I love podcasts. I'm a, 
podcast geek. And um, so even though we have 34 instructors at Edge, I think this one I'm taking on myself. I'm keeping it for myself. <laughs> that, that's awesome. And in the in, uh, meantime, everyone can find you at edgestudio.com. Yes. Any other social media or anything else you want to share? Yeah, we have a very large Facebook group and Twitter and, you know, we, we had all of the social media. We have a marketing department that is great on social media. So you can find us uh, at Edge Studio. Um, you can call us. Uh, we are happy to talk with anyone. Our phone number is 212-868-EDGE. That is 3343. Again, 212-868-3343. You can email us uh, at... Uh, I'll give you two different email addresses because there are two different departments. The okay. education department is training at edgestudio.com and the casting and production department is production at edgestudio.com. Well, perfect. And Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, thanks for having me. Hi, this is Kara Mayer Robinson, and I host Really Famous. I interview A-list celebrities. I dive deep because I used to be a therapist. This is what Tim Gunn said. I just have this antipathy for the judges. I can't stand being in the same room with them. Tim Daly. If you're not working in L.A. and you're an actor, there's no worse place to be. Michael Rappaport. I changed schools every year from the third grade to the twelfth grade. Disruptive was my thing. Chaz Palminteri. I knew something was going on. I said, I got to talk to somebody. It's Really Famous. It's like eavesdropping on a therapy session. Mr. Hayes' office, how may I help you? Andrea, it's Marilyn over at Kennedy Parker Construction. Hello, Marilyn. Would you like me to connect Mr. Parker to Mr. A fish Hayes? surrounded by sharks. A secretary cursed by desire and ambition. Introducing The Diarist by Donna Barrow Green. The Diarist, an addictive psychological thriller, satirical, suspenseful, and full of twists. Available on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Yes. I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings. Or if something I've said has led you to believe I think you're incompetent. It's just been so long since you've given me any encouragements or compliments on my... Andrea. I do notice you. I like that blouse on you very much. You look very pretty just as you are right now. Oh, well, I... It's very pretty on you. Thank you. What sort of fabric is it? It's silk. It's lovely. You have excellent taste in clothes. I notice. Would you mind removing your cardigan? My sweater? Yes, so I can see the blouse in its entirety. Why? I like it very much. You see, I do notice you. You know that, don't you? I don't have to tell you I notice these things. You know when I like something, don't you? I don't know. I repeated his words in my mind. I notice you. That was it, wasn't it? I wanted someone to notice me. Not Andrea the daughter, the wife, the secretary. Not even Andrea the artist or ad girl. I wanted someone, anyone, to see me. More than anything, it was Richard. Please don't think unkind of me, dear reader. Mm -hmm.